Hi folks, this is Michael and welcome to the Blood Walk. And as you recall from uh, my previous podcast, I had mentioned to you at the very end of it about a very good war. And today I want to tell you about that war because it was, it was very good and so many really good things came out of it. Uh, so let's get a move on here. So the, for the first couple of years, uh, I sat on this, this, uh, this revelation, this vision that had come concerning the two trees, you know, the, uh, the tree of life that arose out of the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and a tree of death, which rose out of those 13 epistles. And, uh, and like I say, I, uh, I, I sat on this. I'd shared it with my wife, and, you know, she jumped in with both feet. Man, she had no problem with this at all, at all. So anyway, let me tell you what had happened to uh, kind of get me off my butt and get started with this thing is that within those two years between 04 and 06, uh, my wife and I had, uh, we'd gotten into horses. And, uh, you know, and, and so my wife had purchased this, uh, this wonderful little Icelandic mare from, uh, you know, uh, from upwards in Canada. And, uh, and her name was Duna. And so this, uh, uh, you know, it's like the, this one Sunday in October, you know, I'm, you know, saddle up, going to go for a ride, right? And, uh, and, and I did, and it was a pretty good ride. However, on the way home, so it wasn't a horse's fault. It wasn't really my fault. It was just one of those things that happened, right? But anyway, she was going lickety-split back down the hill to my, uh, you know, to my, to my ranch. And uh, anyway, she had decided to go left, and I had no idea because I was headed straight, right? And anyway, so she made a sharp left turn, and I did not have the saddle buckled on there as tight as I needed to be, and wham, that saddle slipped. And right where it slipped, I was right over uh, what's called River Rock. And, uh, and out here, it gets really muddy in the springtime, so oftentimes we've got to bring in, you know, big old River Rock. You know, at, uh, it's rocks at, you know, six, seven, eight inches, you know, maybe three, four inches in diameter, but it's very smooth. Anyway, and we use it to plug the mud holes. Anyway, so uh, that's where I fell. And, uh, and it's like, you know, man, I hit the ground, and it is snap, crackle, pop, right? My head bounces off the ground, and it's like I'm going, oh, God, I think I really hurt myself. I think I got hurt some fears here. And I did. I really did, man. I broke six ribs on my right side. Um, it's like a dang near sprain to my, uh, um, you know, my left ankle, my, my, my calf. Had, uh, I'm not sure what happened to the calf. You know, it felt like I'd popped my sternum too, but I was a mess. You know, I had a slight concussion from, you know, bouncing my head off the ground. Anyway, I was, uh, I was a couple hundred yards from my house at this point. And so there wasn't anybody there. And if I didn't get up and try to get home, man, I didn't know if anybody was going to find me because I was laying in the weeds, right? So anyway, so I managed to get up. And I kind of stumbled back home. And, uh, you know, it was pretty much all she wrote there for, uh, you know, for the next two years. Okay. Anyway, so it was kind of like after, uh, you know, after I kind of recovered from the, the shock and the trauma of having all these busted ribs, right? It's kind of like all of a sudden it dawned on me. God was really trying to get my attention, right? So, uh, so while I'm laid up, uh, I start going back and, uh, and and researching and researching and researching. You know all that He had showed me. Okay. One of the things that had uh, bothered me 
just just one little piece, right, of the uh, of those thirteen epistles, was where this uh, this guy says, um, "And he who knew no sin became sin." And I don't know about you folks, but have you ever really thought about that? Have you ever applied critical thinking to that statement? He who knew no sin became sin. All right, well, let's just take a look at who he is, right? He is the Word. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word is God. Do you understand me? This is who Paul said became sin, the Word of God. And I'm going, I hope you're not offended. Bullshit. Bullshit. It is not. Right? I mean, for heaven's sakes, how could, oh my God, how could anybody, how could anybody look at that and understand who Yahshua is? He is the Word. He is the way, the truth, and the life. And to say, oh, just because he was crucified, the way, the truth, and the life became sin? What a crock. What a crock. And that's why I say, and maybe you guys have a problem with it, but that man never knew the Son of God, ever. He never walked with him. He never talked with him. He never sat at his feet. And he certainly was not a witness to the resurrection. And I'll tell you what, you go through the first part of the book of Acts where, uh, you know, uh, they're looking for a replacement for Judas. And so they lay out this criteria for being an apostle. Well, I'll tell you what, that cat over there in those 13 epistles, he did not fulfill one single criteria for being an apostle, not a single one. You know, so that was just one thing that, uh, that bothered me tremendously. And he's got other things in there, you know, like uh, sinful flesh. And it's like sinful flesh. Dude, have you ever picked up the book and read it? It's not the flesh that sins. It's the soul that sins shall die, not the flesh. You don't have sin in your flesh. You have it in your soul, right? Uh, anyway, these are just some little things that had bothered me. But I'll tell you something else, you know is that uh, I hated the fact that this guy was always making fashion statements in the New Testament, right? Like, uh, you know, guys can't have long hair, man. It's a shame. Why is that, Paul? Why is that? You know, why do you require everyone to have a Roman buzz cut? You know, why do you require the, uh, you know, the disciples to all look like a bunch of skinheads? It's like, give me a break. You know, give me a break. Yahshua himself had long hair. Anybody who ever took a Nazarite vow had long hair, and how dare you call it a shame? Right, it is not, and it's like you're looking at this stuff, you know. And I realize this is piddling stuff right now. There's not the big stuff, right? There's, there's little stuff, and it's kind of like you know, uh, uh, saying that even in the animal kingdom, man, it, it shows you that, that that long hair is a shame. And it's like, really, dude, have you ever seen a horse? Have you ever seen a horse with his flowing mane? They are absolutely stunningly beautiful. They're beautiful. How dare you say it's a shame, you know? Because it's not. God doesn't give a flying rip about how long your hair is, people. He could care less, right? Could care less. You know, it's your heart. It is your heart that he's concerned about, not the length of your hair. So uh, let me give you another little anomaly that, uh, that you're going to find. And like I say, I'm just giving you little stuff right now, just little stuff. Uh, but you go through the book of Acts, and you take a look at the three times that uh, Paul testified about his Damascus Road experience. And did you know that not one single 
testimony that he gave matches the other. Every single one is different. You tell me, how do you have an experience like that, but you cannot keep the details straight? You tell three different stories about what's supposed to be the most dramatic conversion experience in all the history of the Bible. I do not believe it was a conversion experience, folks. I don't, right? In, in the first testimony, and I might get the first, the first two mixed up a little bit, but the details are correct. In one testimony, right, everybody sees the light, but only Paul hears the voice. In the next testimony, everybody hears the voice, but only Paul sees the light, all right? In the third testimony, Paul usurps the title the light of the Gentiles, right? That was a messianic title. That was a title that was specifically given to the Messiah himself, <coughs> Yahshua, the Messiah. But Paul usurps that position, calls himself, oh, you're going to be for salvation under the Gentiles. Yeah, right, Paul. Ain't no Gentile ever obtained salvation listening to your crap. Nobody ever did, and nobody ever will, right? But it's kind of like you just go through and you say, let's be honest with this thing, man. If this was in a court of law, it'd be thrown out. Those testimonies would not stand in any normal court of law if, if, the, if, the, if the witness cannot keep the details straight. It is not going to stand. It is not going to stand. And I realize that's kind of a little thing, right? But nevertheless, it's highly important. It is highly important. And when you... Those of you who are listening, right, if the Holy Spirit begins to go, oh, my gosh, or, I mean, if you begin to go on, on the inside of yourself, oh, my gosh, right, uh, well, know this, you are uh, being ushered into, uh, you're being ushered into, uh, let, let's call it the Church of Ephesus, but not the Ephesus out of those 13 epistles. I mean the, Eph the, the Church of Ephesus, right, in the book of Revelation, chapter 2. Right, this is where you're at. You are out there learning who that lion apostle was, right? You gonna find out in a heartbeat it was Paul, right? He was a lion apostle that they kicked out. But real briefly here, let me um, let me share something else with you about this uh, supposed conversion experience. Man, I'll just say the entity, the entity that appeared to him. Do you know that that entity that appeared to Paul? quoted the words of Zeus? Is it, it's hard to kick against the goads. It's hard to kick against the pricks. Folks, that is a direct quote from a Greek play called the Bacchae. And, it, uh, and, and that, is, that is a quote where Zeus is speaking to, uh, I believe, is Dionysus, right? I mean, are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? You've got the Son of God quoting Zeus, a fallen one? Give me a break, please, people. I, I, I tell you, it. You, if you truly desire, if you truly desire the kingdom of heaven, if you truly desire these things, man, cut this thing off fast. Cut it off fast. Let me give you another little one here, real quick. And like I say, I'm just, uh, again, I, I keep reiterating. But I'm just giving you a little thing, but I'll tell you what: they really aren't that little. They're pretty big. Um, it's like one that uh, that used to really rile me up a lot was over in Galatians, um, at the tail end of uh, Galatians 4, beginning of 5, where Paul calls the covenant a yoke of bondage, a yoke of 
bondage. People, oh my God, do you know what the covenant is? This, this, this was the marriage covenant. The marriage covenant that the maker of heaven and earth made with the house of Israel. It was the marriage covenant. It was the Ten Commandments. The words of the covenant are the Ten Commandments. And this guy calls it a yoke, a bondage. Do you understand that he's blaspheming the maker of heaven and earth? Do you understand that? He's blaspheming the Father. He's blaspheming him. He calls his covenant a yoke of bondage. Oh, my gosh. The fact that this just goes right in one ear and out the other ear of the Christians who hear that and they never stop and think about what this guy just said. You're saying the covenant of God was a yoke of bondage. Oh, my people. Hearken up, get serious. I tell you, in the fear of God, that is going to piss you off something fierce. It really is. So here's another little one. All right. And uh, I, I imagine most of you who are listening to this are very familiar with the words of Paul. And you just might be thoroughly offended by now. And who knows, man, you may have, you may have clicked me off a long time ago because I don't like him one bit. Right? And like I say, if you want to find out more about Paul, you know, pick up the Clementine homilies and pick up the recognitions of Clement because you are going to hear Peter's side of the story and you are going to understand just how Peter himself felt about this guy that in the uh, in the Clementine homilies they had to uh, they had to insert the name Simon the magician right but you will find there are many 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 scholars today that 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 understood what was going on back in those days right and they had to take out the name Paul and they had to insert the name Simon the magician right because by this time uh this guy was getting quite a following and uh, things were rough in Rome in those days they were very rough so it was kind of a uh, kind of a kind of a safety thing where they uh, where they swapped the name out there but uh Oh my gosh, man! You really ought to read him because uh, Peter addresses Paul, and he whoa, whoa, whoa. he blasts him something fierce. He really does. But anyway, back to this little thing about uh, and like I say, you know, uh, most of you are probably quite familiar with Paul, where he's he's telling you that uh, that uh, that the law and the prophets bear witness to uh, to to his little revelation that the Torah was uh, w w was a temporary thing that the Torah was put away at the cross. But I tell you what, I tell you what, I challenge anybody, you go from Genesis to John, and you cannot even find a whisper of that, not even a whisper, because it does not exist. God himself, through the mouth of Moses, said the Torah was forever. God himself said through the mouth of Moses that the Torah is your life, right? And when you understand when you understand that Yahshua himself is the walking, talking, living, breathing Torah of the living God. That's who he is, people. That's who was manifest to Israel in those days. And you tell me, you think Yahshua was put away at the cross? You think his words were put away at the cross? If you do, you're a damn fool. You really are. But I'll tell you what, this guy also tells you, and I believe it's over in 2 Corinthians 5, uh, that, uh, you know, referring to Yahshua, that no more shall we know him after the days of his flesh, right? And uh, But now we know him this way and that way. Well, I tell you what, folks, uh, again, 
You go in it and you read what some theologians and scholars had to say about that. And Paul is really saying the words of Yahshua today are irrelevant. They're irrelevant. You don't need them. Put them away. Right? You only need to know what he said after the resurrection. And it's like, for heaven's sakes, again, people, you ever read the book? Go into Matthew. All authority in heaven and earth has been given unto me. All authority in heaven and earth has been given unto me. Go, therefore, and teach all nations to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. You really think Yahshua is saying, take all my teachings and trash them? You really think Yahshua is saying that? Because I tell you what, folks, you're going to come to a place where you're going to have to choose. You're going to have to choose who is the word of truth here and who's the word of the liar. You're going to have to choose, right? Because Yahshua said things diametrically opposed to what the apostate said. And yes, he was an apostate. I mean, if you want to know how serious it is to lead an apostasy from Moses, you've got to go back into Matthew where the Son of God is saying, In that day many will say unto me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name? Lord, Lord, did we not cast out many devils in your name? Lord, Lord, did we not do many signs and wonders in your name? And at that time I will say to them, Depart from me, you who forsook the Torah. I never knew you. I never knew you. I, I tell you what, people, again, in the fear of God, that ought to scare the living hell out of the Christian. It really should. It really, really should. You know, and it's like, oh my gosh, Yahshua, are you saying that without the Torah we're toast? Yes, he is saying that. Yes, he is. You know, it's serious business, people. Serious business. Take a look at the state of the world that we're in right now, man. We are on the brink of destruction. We're on the brink of destruction, you know. And, and I, But uh, let me just talk about that a little bit. I mean, I, I didn't mean to go here, but, but, but just to give you something, something really good that, that I see happening in America right now is that, you see, Christianity is not the people of God. They never have been, right? They, they, they want to be. They, they, they really do. But, but how can they be? How can they be? Because the people of God are the people of the covenant, Right? And Christianity has no covenant. They got the testimony of Paul, and that's about it. Right? But they do not have the covenant of the living God, which you're going to find over in Jeremiah 31, 31. So what I see happening in America today is that God is forming a people for himself, and it is called the remnant. Right? It's called the remnant. There's a remnant in America that is praying fervently right now, fervently. And God looks upon this remnant that is crying out for this nation and he looks upon them, people, he looks upon them, and in his eyes, these are the righteous ones. These are the righteous ones. They're crying out to him with all they have within them. And yes, we have entered into a desperate hour, and that's not necessarily a bad thing, right? If you have ever studied James, you know, the effectual, fervent prayer of the righteous avails much. And when you have the remnant, when you have the remnant in this nation, and they are praying like a house on fire right now. I tell you truly, people, it is going to avail much. Just stand back and watch. Behold the salvation of God. Behold his salvation because it will come. It will come in America. And I tell you what, he's going to blast the curse right out of this nation. And it is going to be a magnificent, wonderful, and glorious thing to behold. You guys are about to see the manifestations of the living God like we haven't seen since the days of Moses. You really are. You know, you just hold on and hang in there. 
Because I'll tell you what, when all looks dark and when all looks black and it looks like nothing can ever happen the way it was promised, that is, that is, man, that is the hour of the fire. That is the hour of the fire. And that's when it is necessary for you to stand with him and declare what he has said and not back off. I mean, for heaven's sakes, what do you have to lose besides your life, your nation, and your entire planet? Better that you should stand and die than to, than, than, than to fall and slither into the pit. You know, really, really, man, get serious in this hour. Get serious in this hour if you aren't, right? But anyway, these are just some, like I was saying, these are some of the little things and uh, little things that you can just ponder and go, whoa, man, <laughs> yeah, okay, all right. So back to the war. All right, so these are the, these are the things I began researching. You know, back back in '06, after I you know was laid up for a couple of years with busted ribs and frozen shoulder, and oh geez, man, it, it, it was a tough time. But I tell you what, man, it got me focused, something serious, something serious. And I tell you, one of the first places I went to, and I was I was out on the, uh, and I wasn't the one that discovered this. My wife did because she uh, she said go to this website. Uh, it's called like the Watcher Files, and it was done by this gal named Sherry Schreiner. Well, Sherry, I'll tell you what, she uh, she did a massive expose on Paul. And uh, and that little gal is bold, man. She is bold, something fierce, man. You read her stuff and it's like a glass of cold water in the face. She'll wake you up in a heartbeat, right? She doesn't, she doesn't you know, she doesn't cut any slack at all. Anyway, so, um, so I found this thing on Sherry Schreiner and it was just called, uh, it was a segment she has on her website called Just Give Me the Truth, right? And so from there, she, uh, you know, she had links to uh, to a forum. And at the time, the forum was called uh, Rivers of Revelation. So you jump over there, and man, oh my gosh, here's this whole forum of other folks that have come into this knowledge too, right? I didn't know that, man. I, I thought Teresa and I were the only ones that knew this, but no, man, there was a lot of other people out there. We weren't the first, right? So uh, anyway, uh, the Rivers of Revelation kind of morphed into uh, another forum called the Truth Seekers. And uh, so over on the Truth Seekers, and I wish it was still there today, i tell you what, there were probably thousands and thousands of pages there that were all exposés, magnificent articles collected from all over the Internet, right, of what folks had had to say about this over the years. Man, i tell you what, man. Our founding fathers, you know, guys like Thomas Jefferson, they didn't like that man either, man. Thomas Jefferson said Paul was Christianity's first heretic, and boy, was he ever right. Boy, was he ever right. You know, there's some of the things that, you know, Mark Twain, you know, he didn't like him either, all right? So uh, anyway, it's not like this is a unique understanding that is only happening in this hour today. No, this has been dribbling down through history for the past couple hundred years, Anyway, so uh, so over on Truth Seekers, you know, it was neat because you, you, you got to gather together with people who had the same understanding, the same kind of knowledge, you know, and and uh, and there was like a core group that coalesced at at a, at a Truth Seekers, you know, probably seven or eight of us, and uh, and we uh, we debated with uh, with Christians for uh, oh God, man, I tell you, uh, I think it was like like oh eight was by the time uh, you know Truth Seekers forum you know came into being. Before the next six years, man, it was it was uh, oh god, it was phenomenal. We we must have debated oh god, hundreds of Christians, and uh, and, and there were groups of us that went to Christian websites, right, uh, other Christian forums, and we debated them there too. 
and uh, and it was great. You know, we never ever lost a debate uh, against the writings of Paul. And it's like it is not hard, people. It is not hard. You've got Genesis to John. You know that that flat out denounces and and denies every word that comes forth out of that apostate's mouth. From Genesis through John, you cannot even find a whisper of the doctrines of Paul. You know, and it's like it, it's a really tragic thing in Christianity today where, you know, you got the evangelists out there and, and they're out there and they're, they're trying to get their conversions. Well, the first thing they do, man, when they when, when they get one of their conversions is they throw them right into Paul, right? It's like, well, you know, why aren't you giving these guys John? Why aren't you giving them Matthew? You know, why are you throwing them over into Paul? But unfortunately, many Christians never start at the beginning of the book, which is ludicrous, but they don't. You know, they're cast right into uh, Romans and Galatians, which is nothing but a hodgepodge of mass confusion, right? What a terrible place for anybody to begin. Terrible, terrible place. You should begin in John or you should begin in Matthew, begin in Genesis, Exodus, you know, Deuteronomy, Joshua, Judges, you know, First and Second Samuel, Psalms. My God, how can anybody read the Psalms? How can anybody read Proverbs and ever come up with a notion that the Torah was a temporary thing beyond me? You know, but like I say, you know, many of us had blinders on our eyes. We had blinders on our hearts. We just weren't seeing uh, things for what they were. Uh, you know, mass contradictions. It's like, you know, a, a lot of folks have accused the Bible of being full of contradictions, right? Well, your average Christian is going to denounce that in a heartbeat. However, yes, it is. It's, you know, Paul is nothing but a walking contradiction of, you know, of God himself. He's a walking contradiction of Yahshua himself. You know, he really is. Uh, so anyway, uh, uh, there were some absolutely magnificent, phenomenal things that came out of this war. And one of them, one of them, people, was the revelation of the Milfaw. I didn't know that word Milfaw. Back during all the years of these testimonies that I've given you, I didn't know it by that name at that time. I didn't have anything. I just I didn't know what to call these experiences, especially, man, especially with Papa's name. I didn't know what to say. I just said, power of God. I, I didn't know what else to say. But uh, again, you know, my wife, like I was saying, man, she was one whale of a little researcher, and she'd gotten into the Aramaic, and she had discovered this term called the milfaw. And when she shared it with me, it just, all of a sudden, man, massive click, massive, oh, my God, that's what this is. That's what it is, right? That's what this is. Oh, my, oh, my. So as I was saying uh, just a little bit earlier, that for those of you who are accepting this and all of a sudden things are starting to click, maybe you've had some questions, maybe you've had some wonderings, well, I'll tell you what. If things are starting to click, and I was saying, you know, you're going to find yourself right over in Revelation 2 in the church of Ephesus there, right? And let me share something with you. If I haven't told you this before, you take a look at what's in the tail end of there, man. It is a reward to the church of Ephesus, which is the tree of life. The tree of life. The tree of life. You know, and I declare unto you, the veracity, absolute truth of those passages there because, yes, you will 
you will be caught up to the tree of life, people, because I was. I was caught up to that place, and yes, I tell you truly, man, I ate, and I ate, and I ate, and I ate, and uh, and I'm going to tell you more about that, uh, you know, in, 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 in another podcast, so I just wanted to kind of kind of close this one out right now because I've, I've given you a lot. I really have. I, I realize these are, you know, to, to me they might be little things, but to you they might be enormous, you know. So uh, anyway, this is Michael. This has been a blood walk, and uh, this has been a very good war. And as I say, many good things came out of this. Many good things. And I'll uh, be talking to you again in a couple of days. Bye-bye.